0: Hey guys, uh, doing something unusual for this podcast, just in advance, we're just going to drop a quick content warning. Uh, the upcoming movie that we're going to discuss is bird box. And if you're unfamiliar with the movie, it features several scenes of people committing suicide. Uh, we also discuss at length in this podcast, depression and suicidal ideation. So if that's something that you need to take care of for yourself, totally fine check out back with us for next week's episode atomic twister which we assume will have no content warnings so you can find atomic twister on tubi on uh, amazon prime or on voodoo for free um so otherwise here's disaster girls talking bird box with dr amy Kavanaugh. this is a test of the emergency podcast system repeat this is a test of the emergency podcast system Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench.
1: In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Grugiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello and welcome back from across the great isolated divide, disaster divas, we are here once again on the Disaster Girls podcast. I am here, Jordan Cruciola, with co-host Amanda Smith. And we we are, it's an embarrassment of riches these days on the podcast because we have yet another guest with us today. Amy Kavanaugh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why we are convening to discuss which movie is it today? Uh, we're going to talk
2: about Bird Box. All right. So um, I'm Dr Amy Kavanagh, I am a visually impaired activist and campaigner in the UK, I live in London, England, as the Americans would say, Um, (laughs) and I talk a lot about disability activism stuff. I am a huge fan of the disaster genre. Um, Being a disabled person, I like to plan, and I also have chronic anxiety. So, you know... (laughs) prepping uh and you know being prepared for every apocalyptic eventuality has been part of my life for a long time Got
0: it. i mean and really, in, chronic anxiety goes right hand in hand i feel like with being a fan of disaster
1: movies that's that's truly a common thread sure. and, and 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 what was it that what was it that brought us to bird box today why bird box
2: so um bird box is you know a film that it hit Netflix and was one of their little kind of big film moments. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock being a big star. But, it, you know, it obviously features things around not using your vision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as we were discussing the film, there are some themes around that. They're a little problematic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, afterwards, it launched a big meme called the Bird Box Challenge. Right. Which, which was hella ableist to mm-hmm. win- a visually impaired person, where everyone suddenly thought it was hilarious, put on a blindfold and pretend that they couldn't see anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but also, I think that disability is a big theme in the disaster genre. There's kind of two genres where it comes up quite a lot, and that is like horror. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of disaster movies, especially with the apocalyptic angle, is another place where you find a lot of disability-related kind of content. Mm-hmm. Mostly bad sometimes good um Mm. gonna lay my cards on the table i find bird books so challenging (laughs) so uh this is very good good to know
1: a little bit of ranty amy perhaps today no not a problem i think it is like you know for something that that hit twitter around christmas time a couple of years ago it became something like you said one of sort of the netflix sensations uh, I think it's good to put critical reads on something like this that just become internet memes that deserve maybe a little bit more interrogation. And I, I didn't love the movie, but this is especially, because I was so glad I didn't watch it at the time when it kind of blew up, so now I could come into it uh, totally fresh. And I am glad to be talking about it on a more substantive level to sort of to get, to get get more out of it than I did on the watch itself.
2: Well, I hope I can uh, bring bring an interesting dimension.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I I think a a great place to start is you recommended that when we start watching this movie, we do so with the audio assist descriptions Mm -hmm. as part of the Netflix playback. Please tell our listeners about this feature. I had no idea that it existed.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of that, you know. I, I do a lot of stuff on Twitter, and mm-hmm. despite the existence of things like Alexa, people are like, well, if you're blind, how do you tweet?
3: And mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm.
2: similar around um, films. Like, blind people can watch movies. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> right. um, I have residual vision, so I can hold a screen very close to my face to watch something, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I sit very close to a, a big TV at home. Um, But on days when my vision isn't as good or when I don't want to tire my sight, I use something called audio description. Mm -hmm. And basically the way that it works is there's a narrator and they describe the visual and physical cues that are happening um, in between the dialogue.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: so i am sure most people have accidentally turned it on and then thought who is this like mystery person narrating everything. <laughs> <laughs> most people have hit that button and been like what the hell is this um but that netflix is known for being very good at audio description mm-hmm. it is something that is quite a selling point about the streaming service mm. and i have to be honest the Bird Box audio description is pretty good. It's a pretty good example of audio description. I would say other uh, winners in the genre would be uh, Disney. Disney do oh, okay. audio description, sure. and they have been doing it for a very long time. Oh, well, that's um, you, Yeah, it is good, especially for kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you can, if you have DVDs, if anyone still has DVDs, you mm-hmm. can look on the back of them, and sometimes they will say whether they have an audio description track. Okay. Most do now. Most Mm. films um, are released. The problem is that in cinemas, they don't necessarily broadcast it. Mm -hmm. So they might have, say in the UK, you go to like a big multiplex and they might have 10 screenings of something, but only one of them they'll put the audio description track on, Mm. which is really annoying because I listen to it through headphones in the cinema. So it doesn't bother anyone else. okay, okay. So I have like a little radio receiver pack and then mm. a little set of headphones and um, they just click it on and every single big movie comes with a track now. Um, oh, wow. And yet they, lots of cinemas won't turn the equipment on or don't know how to use it. So that can be really frustrating when I turn up to see a film and I say, sure. oh, can I have the audio described? And they're like, eh, you know, it's some like pimply teenager who has no idea <laughs> <laughs>
1: right they don't even know that they don't even know that technology is on the premises
2: yeah exactly but i would really recommend that people have a go the only downside and this is my partner complains about this is sometimes you get a few spoilers with audio describe i did notice film.
1: it was it was a little in advance of what i was about yeah. to see i did
2: notice that so right at the beginning of the film there is the sister gets hit by the truck yeah and um that, that is spoiled for you, mm-hmm. but simply because when the action is happening, there is not a suitable pause for them yeah. to say, this is happening right now. Yeah. But it, it's clever, you know, it's clever how they squeeze things in between the dialogue. It's a real art form. Um, I, was,
1: I was very impressed at how much I was not, at how much it did not impede in any other part of the experience that I was accustomed to of watching a movie. Like, it really does, it like, yeah. it, it totally makes sense that they kind of have to precede the action a little bit because they, like, they're not going to do it after the fact where, like, and Sarah's sister is hit by a bus. Like, they're not going to do that. Yeah. But, like, I, I didn't, It I was wondering how, it was, like, I just can't even imagine how this is going to sort of like factor in, but like, you know, the Netflix logo comes up and it says like Netflix in red letters. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, you're panning over like a river Valley and it's like a river bends to the left in a Valley. And it's not telling you something constantly. It's just giving you sort of broad strokes to place you in the scene. And then, you know, you, you hear the characters talking at one point, just like, I didn't need anything from the kitchen, but I just went into the kitchen while the movie was playing with the audio, des- audio descriptions. I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, I, I know what's going on here. I can hear the people talking. They're telling me what's going on. I don't need to know what th- how they're blinking right now. That's not going to serve the story for me. So as long as I'm getting these sort of big picture descriptions from this very pleasantly voiced man, like this is actually a, a very well-integrated experience.
0: It, it's yeah. very <laughs> similar to, oh, sorry. No, yeah. I... You go ahead. Yeah, or are going to say it's very similar. Like, um, I, I don't know if either of you have ever been to um, a table read, which is, you know, when you sit in like when you're first mm-hmm. reading a, a script um, or like you go to a staged reading of a play uh, where they aren't staging the whole thing, they're just having actors up on the sitting mm-hmm. up on the stage with scripts in front of them. You always have someone who sits there and they read uh, the action lines. Mm-hmm. Just so, and it and it was. Just to give like listeners, an ex- it's very similar to that. Um, it was sort of like an abridged version of that, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you're taking the, the visual descriptions off the page and making them and just using
2: them, and using them as audio.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you know, I, it was, it was
2: I, recorded, I recorded a little bit of it. I don't know how good it's going to, I'm mean, not going to email you the file. Yeah, well, we can send it to, you can definitely, we can have Jason maybe, I don't know if Jason can do this or not, but maybe put it in. I mean, also, you might just be able to rip it off Netflix, to be honest, because, <laughs> like you say, it, there is very good examples of the audio description from the first moments of the film. Yeah, from the ve- yeah. right
1: from the very start of it. And you start with a quiet moment. So mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, so the, you kind of meet this man. Like, you know, you, you audibly meet this man who's going to sort of, like, be your guide for the rest yeah. of the movie. And I, with a movie, I, I, it was fascinating to watch it in the context of a suspense film, too, where mm-hmm. he's, like... The action is is the point of this, things moving quickly, things being stressful. And it still it still felt like it, it was well threaded in to not disrupt or or even somebody who's used to not watching with audio descriptions to to change really fundamentally the experience of like rising tension and payoffs like that.
2: And that's why it's quite a good example, actually, because that mm. is not always achieved. Right, um, right. So the other day, so we, we've been rewatching uh, the Marvel movies at home mm. during lockdown. And um, we were putting the audio description on for some of the older, uh, like the original Thor, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Disney had not worked out the balance in that. <laughs> oh no! And because there was so much action, mm-hmm. it, it, even I was like, you know what, sod it, I'm not. I it off. <laughs> because, because there was so much description yeah. that it's, it's detracting from. I
1: now want to go watch the Avengers Endgame finale with the description, find descriptions with them on, because there's a lot it, going on there. But
2: that was it, good. Yeah. So by Endgame, they like, nailed it. Oh,
0: OK. Because yeah, okay. by then they were owned wow. by Disney. The original Thor, I don't think, was owned by Disney. I think that
2: was oh, yes, still when Marvel had been bought out by then. I thought so. I might, I might have to double check with my. Part. It's not. It wasn't the first one. I think it was the. First, I think maybe it was. I. It was Iron Man three. That's what we were watching. we were watching Iron Man three, and it was just like he punches, he kicks, he moves, he goes, and it's just. Oh, <laughs> <he> <laughs> goes.
0: Yeah.
2: Just tell me they're fighting group yeah.
0: <laughs> Iron Man huh? continues to kick ass. It's yeah. Really yeah.
2: <laughs> you I, I know and I, I don't want to talk lightly of it because it is the difference between visually impaired people being able to access a whole okay. medium sure. of, of art and not yeah. but and there are little things like so for me even with my residual vision um, I cannot distinguish facial expressions very well so okay. when audio description says something like she wells up with tears mm-hmm. that's really important to me because sure. I can't that I can see there's a face I don't know what that face is doing yeah and and now that I use it more and more and as I have been listening along to this podcast going back and enjoying some past films yeah yeah now now using audio description because it is more available on streaming services mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. Not, you know my VHS tape of Twister or whatever um,
1: I definitely so. want audio descriptions on wandering earth now
2: yeah i haven't done that one yet jupiter (laughs) yeah i need to need to check that one man shoots jupiter (laughs) i have to say some of the early 90s does not have it i'm afraid congo does not have audio description
1: right
0: oh it
2: it, it, could make a make a difference you know there's films like jurassic park original Jurassic park has really good audio description sure and that is a film i must have watched 200 times, some of my favorite films. And actually watching it with audio description, there are things I am now seeing for the first time, and it's a really heartening experience. That's wonderful. Now, now, now tell, like, you, you wanted to touch
1: on, in Bird Box, you uh, were not super uh, uh, loving their depiction of, um, like, people having to commit to sort of willful visual impairment to survive this landscape. so. Yeah. I mean, let's pivot from the hearteningness of 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 Jurassic Park, unfortunately, to the disheartening nature of Bird Box and, and oh. in our reality index. Well, hold on. Should we should
0: we summarize that real quick? We haven't done a summary of the movie. Oh yet. yeah, you're right. You're right. Amanda, yeah, do you yeah. want to summarize Bird Box? Yeah, real quick. Um, so Bird Box is a weirdly hits close to home these days.
1: Um, <laughs> you're right. Honestly, it's it's a movie of our time.
0: So, essentially, something is suddenly sweeping the globe very rapidly um, where people are, for no apparent reason, just suddenly freaking out and committing very graphic
1: suicide. It's the Um, happening, ladies and gentlemen. It is the happening. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: like, and it suddenly, it just hits very suddenly and almost in, like, a wave of chaos. Um, and this movie is told in two timelines. In the first timeline, you've got Sandra Bullock as a pregnant woman the day that this thing hits uh, when it, it arrives uh, in the United States. In the United after States, it has been after it Russia. has basically made landfall in Russia. <laughs> yeah, um, and it has gone through Russia and Europe, and now it's in the U.S. And she th- she suddenly. It finds herself with a group of strangers trapped inside of a house while these, what are apparently these invis- invisible monsters are outside. Um, and the only way to avoid having this happen, they realize, is if you don't look at them. So everyone starts blindfolding themselves whenever they have to leave the house. Um,
1: or or to, like, if they it. have to look outside, or like windows out. are yeah. blacked out, yeah. boarded up.
0: Yeah, and then, so this is about, in one timeline is a survival story about the first days after what is essentially like a suicide pandemic. Um, a visually induced suicide pandemic. And then the second timeline is five years later, Sandra Bullock and two children trying to get from a hideout that they're in somewhere and then going 48 hours down a river to what is supposed to be a safe haven. Um, And she has to navigate the river entirely blindfolded in a boat. Um, So that is sort of the Cliff Notes version of that. So let's roll into the reality index.
1: Yeah. I... Yeah. What? What? How about you kick us off as far as like reality indexing
2: goes? So I mean, really, my main criticism of this film. Okay, so we're gonna get the clapping and the fireworks in a minute. So I will speak <laughs> it, with causes, I would assume that
0: that's also enthusiasm for the podcast. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A whole.
1: Yeah. The celebration
2: of, of, of essential services.
1: Because it is cute. Hang on. There is uh, an essential service worker celebration that is poised to happen imminently in the UK. So do you see, it's
2: like everyone's out here clapping.
1: Oh, yes, I'm going to give you yeah. the audio description, ladies and gentlemen. There are people gathered out on the street. I mean, they're 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 not like high fiving and dancing. They're staying in their little yards, and what a everybody little is
0: street too. Yeah, it's an adorable it street. Like, it looks like some sort of a it like looks like a little street in you... San Francisco. I was going to say, it looks like when you have, like, fake streets in um, movies, this is what it looks like. If someone's going to, like, make a little English street, this is what I would now.
2: imagine. And everyone clapping all the faves.
1: Man, my neighborhood is really out of touch with this. We, we spoke with Eliza Skinner for Mother, and she talked about the clapping. You guys do the clapping. Nobody's clapping where I live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. Sometimes people play Britney Spears really loudly, but I think that's just because I live in West Hollywood. (laughs) Like that just seems to be that doesn't seem to be on the on the time. Sometimes people just start blaring it, and I'm like,
1: "Yeah, that's not anybody. Nobody's playing that. It's just coming from the air. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: blowing. It's it's blowing blowing. in the trees. But it's become. I mean, don't include this in the podcast, but it's. (laughs) It's become quite a kind of British jingoistic, yes, we must all, you know, well done, God save the Queen kind of vibe. Yeah. And, sadly, and it is really it is a lovely community moment, and especially the first couple when life was still really weird. It was it yeah. was joyous. But there's almost like becoming a bit of a like on local face group, face group, Facebook group, Facebook groups. You know, they'll be like, well, her from number nine wasn't clapping. She's doing yeah. it. Like, <laughs> and it's like, fucking it, like, oh Anyway, but there you go. It's, it, 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 the really sweet thing, and I don't know if you could see it in the video, but uh, the thing that they're doing here is that all the children are doing pictures of rainbows oh. and putting them up in their windows for the NHS workers to see. That's so, very cute that's yeah really and then lovely. when the children go on their like daily walk they count the rainbows
1: oh well that's quaint yeah.
2: <laughs> i like that yeah i think there is one thing that the british are extremely proud of our national health service um, no
1: i feel like the nhs is is just basically hometown heroes <laughs> the way i hear them talked about
2: yeah i mean very proud. And it's very funny when I hear Americans being like, oh, that evil socialist health service. <laughs> and we're like, well, oh. you know, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> hey. All right. All right. So where, where did we leave off free We were about to start the reality index.
1: Yes, we were about to start the reality index.
2: So for me, really, I want this to be a whole other movie. Okay. <laughs> the movie that I want this to be is where the intrepid blind woman is, you know, rescuing society. Right. Um, yeah. Everything's going, you know, hell in a handcart. And she's just, you know, there with her white cane or her seeing eye dog, just being like, I'm fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then all these clueless sighted people like bumping into stuff and having no idea how to navigate the world. And Mm -hmm. our blind uh, heroine is just like, I can still go to the supermarket. This is fine. (laughs) My life hasn't changed at all. (laughs) No, that's a really that's a really good point, because spoiler, everybody, like,
1: you know, when it comes to the end, the destination that Sandra and her two children, who she's been emotionally abusing for five years by calling them boy and girl instead of giving them names, um, they arrive at the end of their river journey, their perilous river journey, um, Sandra re- reluctantly accepting she does love them, and yeah. they arrive at an, an institute for the visually impaired. And sort of like utopia is this area where nature has really reclaimed this compound and sighted people are are living amongst unsighted people and they have created this refuge and it is fascinating that they like wait to drop someone who is visually impaired until the very fucking end of this movie it was like you could have had someone here the entire time multiple people
2: yeah i know i mean you've basically captured what i was shouting the whole way through the film the first time we watched it and i just kept going where are the blind people (laughs) (laughs) Like, <laughs> this is my apocalypse. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is the apocalypse I have been training for. <laughs> right. Where
1: am I? Well, and it's, it's interesting because, like, you know, at a certain point, they I stop would like
0: hearing to think from... that you're at Buckingham Palace or something, but you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. well, wow, I guess it's all mine now. Like, there's a separate movie in there where, like, blind people are basically having, like, the Home Alone moments. Yes! Yeah, like, you've gone to the Tate, you're at the museums, you're sleeping in in Queen's beds. Like, it's like, yes. cool, it's mine now.
2: For sure. I'm eating all the food, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm in the pub. I'm the best <laughs> life in this apocalypse. Just, just pulling
1: your own pipe because nobody else is there to stop you. Yeah, 100%.
2: <laughs> and I well, think that's think week. Be- They'll continue. Was kind of what was so annoying? What was so annoying was that, you know, and actually, on a slightly more serious note, contributed to this meme culture around mm. it, and actually contributed, and contributes to a lot of the ableism that I experience, mm. is that every single task was suddenly so utterly impossible. Right, right. When there are people who yes with a lot of you know training and support sometimes either from childhood or after they lose their vision but ultimately that live entirely whole and productive lives whole lives whole Whole lives lives. yeah Lawyers and doctors and authors and all sorts. People work in shops, or you know, they do all sorts. Of, blind people do every kind of job you can imagine. I mean, apart from like F one races, that we're not so good at. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we do every kind of job imaginable, and it it just contributed to my frustration that you know, and I experience this all the time under normal circumstances when I'm going into work and I'm sat on. The train and somebody will plonk themselves down next to me and be so shocked that I use my phone, that I have a job, that I have a house, that I have a partner. You know, God. people will sit down next to me on the train and just say, Well, if I was you, I would kill myself. Oh my God. Okay. And um, it's like, Sure, if I were you and I was that much of a bigger, I would probably kill myself too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly? Okay. So, no, it I, that's what's so frustrating about it. And like, yes, there are, there are many comedy moments. I think my favourite moment is where she's <laughs> like training the children. She's like, we must be blind and we must learn how to be blind. <laughs> and she, she has them in the garden just like with rocks. They're just like clapping the rocks. Right, to like
1: signal them like where they should go and what they should do. Yeah, Listen to that. They, so,
0: they echo lo- so they can echolocate her.
2: Yeah, because yeah. blind people have sonar echolocation. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: like,
2: no. I'm like a bat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that was always my understanding: is that you you emit a, an ultrasonic sound. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. The
2: cane, the cane is just is just an accessory. Exactly, I just make high pitched scream, <laughs> and then I'm just like lampos. <laughs> dustbin, guy, <laughs> 20 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly well, like like
1: I, That calls into, that's like, it, it suddenly makes the entire, it makes the entire premise of the movie, like that the world would descend into chaos if you couldn't see like a little bit, of, like if everybody started dying, that'd be bad. The, but like once everybody learned like, oh, well we need to close our eyes now, then the idea that things would be so off grid fully forever the idea that like because early on in their in their sheltering in place they hear like somebody calling out over the radio being like i'll update you with anything i hear like somebody just like sending sending communications out into the void there it seems like that kind of sos infrastructure would rise up from people that know exactly how to handle a sightless world and be like all right, now's the time when we we rebuild an infrastructure around this new challenge, yeah. and we try to learn how to, like, defeat, a, like, amorphous thing, but also there's no need for the fucking grocery stores to shut down. There's no need for the utilities to go offline. These things these are in the water, they're again it's like the happening they're like in the fucking wind the wind even blows when they show up i'm i'm really blowing blowing my own mind right now realizing realizing how much this movie is just the happening um but yeah. yeah you're like it it makes it seem it sort of presents that as the alternative like god could you imagine if this happened wouldn't you rather just die yeah it's like
2: oh no yeah. you know and uh, the, the bit in the grocery store i found that fascinating because okay yes imagine in in, in the wind beasties make everyone kill themselves Mm -hmm. now because we don't have the very specifics i don't know if you have to be totally blind or they seem quite large so because of my you know the way my vision works maybe if you can't see all of them maybe i would be fine okay but anyway i can get around with no vision as i often do um Oh, I would, you know, I would, I can walk to my supermarket right now. Now, with my cane, there may be a few corpses, you know, a few entrails to step over. But yeah. But I would just be like, oh, hi, you know, I'm going to buy my pasta and get, you know, my beer. And, you know, just the bit where, you know, they're all groping around, like, where is the door? And I'm like, yeah, for the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's the door. Shaped thing a <laughs> with the door. And like the guy that works there is like, Where is the door? <laughs> <What's there? laughs> How do you know where the door is? And they
1: also, I found it silly that they, it was like, well, you don't, like we see the way they end up getting to the store from the house is that they like paper over the windows of the car that they're in, the SUV that they're in, and they use the GPS in the monitor to get from point A to point B, which tells us that they're like three blocks away from the store. Yeah, it's they so absolutely cool.
2: could have just walked that whole way. Yeah, I And mean, yeah. if you look at the map, it's literally like, right out of the drive straight 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 turn car park you're there like yeah, what a yeah. difficult route like i go into central london <laughs> <laughs> i walk around leicester square guys <laughs> 67 american tourists walking into me going oh we're in leicester square like I'm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Three yeah I yeah and those are were- most shocked when i was like oh they're Getting in the car for this for this expedition, like that's yeah. optimistic. I my first concern if I were to get in the car would be what if the roads are covered in other cars? Yeah, which seems like a reasonable concern given what you they had last seen, which is that yeah, the cars, yeah. the roads should be filled with cars. Yeah, um, and yeah, and wrecks that, like, of cars, a, wrecks of yeah. cars, and yeah. Like, maybe the sidewalk would be the safest bet. Um, like, I guess maybe benefit of the doubt, they didn't know for sure that, like, the monsters wouldn't just straight up eat them, but also the monsters can just straight up eat them in the car. It's like, you know, a yeah. little can of tuna fish, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, it did fascinate you know, me how the monsters could not enter doors.
0: Yes. They were You're not going very inside. Right. They, were, they, they were did not creatures. go inside. And everyone was very confident in that knowledge immediately, which I love. <laughs> but everyone's like, "Monsters can't get inside." And You're like, Woo. "I mean, do we do we all know that rule? Is that they, <laughs> they? Is this like a vampire rule? Because it's a rule of vampires. Is that they but, not invited inside? Um, like
1: they're, think- they are, and they can through video feeds, as we see with poor BD Wong, who is exits <laughs> the story. Immediately after we meet him, he's like well, watching a really video. If he
0: basically color, they can't also have a gay person of color. That's a <laughs> lot of your
1: You're right. Yeah, no, that that I'm, I'm talking crazy. um And also, so we'll, the
2: audio description just calls him homeowner for quite a while, which yes. I yes, <laughs> <laughs> generic <laughs> homeowner. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like give him the respect he deserves. Say B.D. Wong. Um, <laughs> I, a thing I didn't find I, I, I think the the immediate thing in this movie that was unreal, that was not believable to me is that the characters played by Sandra Bullock and Sarah Paulson are sisters when <laughs> yeah. Sarah Paulson enters that artist's loft and so clearly is beaming at her girlfriend. It's like, this is not this is not your goddamn sister. Like I've seen Oceans eight. I've seen the way you look at each other, don't ever try and... I'm not saying these characters are not sisters. I know they were in the book and this is an adaptation. Then you cast strangely or your direction was weird because these women are in love with each other in a not familial way.
2: Yeah.
1: I was a bit...
2: The groceries on the counter is like, hi, honey, I'm home. Exactly. The way she like beams at her art
1: is like, oh, they're in love. This is so sweet. And then like... Oh, 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 re- related. And Sarah Paulson's character is a passionate horse breeder that we're going to hear a lot about in the five minutes that she spends in this movie. The amount of, like, <laughs> emphasizing that this woman is passionate about horses and that horses are basically superior to people that happens while we're watching a sonogram take place is like, what the fuck is going on here? I like, why do I know? That
2: I loved. The oh, my God. I- I- Oh, right in the beginning, when they're in the car and they're like, "Oh, you know, shit's going down. You know, yeah, we gotta get out of here." And and then she turns to her and she's like, "We should go to my ranch because horses are what you need in this situation." Yes, yes. Well, yeah, you're, you're gonna, gonna
1: wish you were on a horse. It was like, "Oh my with god, spin, is this something sexual?" Something with spindly leg that's gonna be real <laughs> helpful in the apocalypse. And I couldn't horses scoot- see? Them? Like,
0: would the horses <laughs> kill themselves? We okay, don't know. So actually, hold on. That's actually something really important. So you mentioned guide dogs in the book. I just read, like, the Wikipedia synopsis. In the oh, book, okay, they good. train guide good dogs.
1: Prepared. Good parody. Yeah.
0: In In the book, they train guide dogs. Um, and, in fact, what they learn very quickly is that the dogs can also see the monsters. And one of the guide dogs commits suicide. Amazing. I need to read I, the book. I just like the fact that I when I read this I, like and the guide dog kills itself. And I'm just like imagining the gruff the crime dog just like pulling out a gun and just taking one to the head.
1: <laughs> I'm gone. <Like, dog. laughs>
0: I mean, like, I love, I, I love and adore my dog, but trying to imagine my dog figuring out how he can kill himself other than accidentally <laughs> eating chocolate is an absurd concept. <laughs> oh, no dog my can kill themselves on purpose. Dogs can only kill themselves by accident because they are just
2: very dog-like, and that is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just imagining, sonic. like, you know, it pulls off the harness and it's like... I give up my service. <laughs> I'm going against everything that is trained within me. <laughs> what well, right, don't, don't follow a me thing now. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, like,
0: what does this mean all the animals are killing themselves? Is it only
1: dogs oh, because oh, they've gosh, been trained to assist we know, humans? We know that birds aren't because the birds well, are somehow the early detection system sure. for, for the nothings.
2: That well, you never, but you like know what the solution is guide birds oh my god. <laughs> like an ostrich. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh my oh god! Oh my god! The fantasy universe that this brings forth is actually a very rich text. I like writing ostriches about off- the yeah. land. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, you know what? When this shit goes down, if you're not gonna want a horse. You're gonna want an
0: ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, oh. like, of course, the problem with the ostrich would be that when ostriches get scared, they stick their heads in the keel, yeah. Suppose, right? So um, again, like we've ostrich. gone back to the same problem of they're basically their their survival skills are on par with Sandra Bullock in the apocalypse.
2: Yeah. <laughs> know, I, like there must be some large, isn't like cassowary? They're like a pretty kick-ass bird. <laughs> well, I would, I would like a turkey vulture.
1: Yeah, yeah. those yeah. are very. Those are extremely what this, is. what this is is it becomes Harry Potter, and everyone has a companion bird. Yeah, like a hawk, like a sea yeah. hawk. Yeah, it's like it's just, <laughs> instead of owls, you just have birds of prey. That like you, you, they instead of them wearing the tiny masks, you wear the mask, and they guide you. Tiny, the birds don't need the tiny masks <laughs> anymore.
0: <laughs> Wow. Jordan, you're Ripped so delighted there. with the tiny. T- there are <laughs> I, yes, I think we just I think we I solved find bird funny box. That, that birds with masks on. <laughs> oh
2: my days. <sighs> <They're so funny. sighs> it's just such a ridiculous film. Okay, and my my five I think more- this is the first time we've gotten Jordan to the point of cry laughing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Normally I'm the one who would sound like I'm bursting into tears, but it's Jordan!
3: Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm writing this down in my journal. Like this is a this is a hallmark moment.
1: Just, tiny things are so funny. And then you make it a tiny bird hat. It reminds me of I have to diverge because it reminds me of this when I was fact-checking for Wired magazine. I was writing uh, oh, I was fact-checking an article about mice that were these these transmitters on their heads and go through mazes and so i was asking the for fact checking. i was asking the scientists like so would it be accurate to describe this as a tiny helmet and as i started (laughs) saying that i had to like put my hand in my mouth to not laugh and he goes very seriously he goes no it's definitely more of a tiny hat (laughs) I had, and I was, I was silently sobbing and my friend Jason was just staring at me and I had to work so hard to recover on that call and be able to finish talking to him about the tiny hats on the mice. (laughs)
0: Jordan.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. And Incredible. I, you know, let nature let nature take its course and let the birds finally put the hats. We must wear the hats and let the birds be free and lead us.
2: <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to have been part of this moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my final and kind of slightly more serious reality check. Good, good pivot, good pivot. Is why does nobody use a cane yeah like, there is very, a very, very good question very good reason the blind people use the canes it's and like it's, is, an, it's a popular it is such like if there is one thing we do to
1: signify people who are visually impaired in film and television we give them the white cane it's Be like devil. hey guys just so you know fucking daredevil had a white cane like this is something we recognize you're absolutely right this is crazy
2: there is a reason I would not run through the forest <laughs> without a cane. Yeah. <laughs> because I would fall flat on my face. <laughs> yes. And there's even a moment, and this is very technical, but she literally uses a machete to like feel up the steps. And I'm like, use a cane, love. Use a cane.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: not okay. Like, I needed training to be able to use my cane. Very efficiently and effectively. Right. But ultimately, it's a big long stick. And, <laughs> you know, those are not in short supply in the world.
0: <laughs>
2: Why their thought wasn't, I mean, do they think that these filmmakers or, or whoever, like, well, that white stick, that's just for fun. <laughs> right. Come on. Right, get hold a stick because with a stick you can find more obstacles, you can find hazards, you can feel the tree root instead of tripping over it and falling down a hill. You know, it's just it's gonna make your blind bird box life with your you know seeing eye hawk in your cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you can strap yeah. it to your back when you're atop your ostrich horse, exactly. and it's portable. I just and and I. I, like, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief of, like, okay, she's, they're in the woods, they're running, I'm not gonna, like, get super annoyed that she's, like, not tripping in the woods, which she absolutely would be tripping and falling, constantly sprinting through the woods, but she didn't have to run, like, because these things are gonna catch you wherever they're, they appear out of nowhere, they, they, They they yeah, they appear over the top of you, and you don't need to run from them, like, if you can't see them, Nothing's going to happen. So just grab those kids, buckle, like, hunker down in place and, like, wait for it to pass or something or just, like, keep walking diligently. Like, we're going to keep walking forward carefully and thoughtfully so I don't do something like what happens to Sandra Bullock, which is tumble down a goddamn hill and, like, leave the children above her. Just keep walking purposefully toward, as you've been told by the voice over the radio, you know, at the shelter you're going to, listen to the birds. We have a ton of birds. Follow the birds. Like, running served her no purpose other than to put obstacles in her way that she should have had a lot more trouble with than she actually did. Ooh. I mean, that's
0: uh, – the thing is, is that every moment of the flash forwards, it's as if it's the first day that she's ever been in this situation.
1: You're absolutely um, right.
0: You're like absolutely the- right there was
1: no moment where you're like, "Uh,
0: Sandra Bullock, you've done, you've dealt with this before. One of the biggest things was the whole time when she has these two five-year-olds, I'm just like, this is why kitty leashes were invented. This particular situation. (laughs) It's up to you, exactly. Just leash the children to you. I have seen many parents with children on leashes in a mall, and that's a much less hazardous situation. And it I was a your hands.
1: Child, I was a leashed child. I wandered, and, and my you mom didn't a leashed adult, that. Jordan. <laughs> it's <laughs> totally, it's totally true. I am a wanderer, and I just like there. As far as as far as personalities in this movie go, I feel like I felt like the the complexion of of. Of of the sort of characters that they had. I was like, okay, they're gonna give us like a stock version of sort of each personality type here. But honestly, they felt like pretty believable. Like the John Malkovich character, I think I saw you tweet about him, Amanda, where you were like, he's the worst person you know, but he's also right. And like yeah. then you like you tweeted that screen grab of him being like, every person we have brought into this house has brought us death.
0: Yes. It was he was he was a big quarantine mood, honestly, and I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I was like which, you know, to, to reality index this one, like to put this one to one with our current apocalypse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like to one to one this with the apocalypse, the whole time I was like, where are the people who are demanding that they should be allowed to go outside that they want to look directly at the suicide monsters?
1: And um, lo and behold.
0: Yeah. That- and, but I was like, but I was like, man, John Malkovich not wanting to look at the suicide monsters when in fact he'd be the guy who's like, don't let make me wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask if I don't have to. It's like no, that's
2: not that's not true, but he's right.
1: And and in the the
2: whole, British on that here. Yeah, the yeah what do you got? The British perspective on that here. Where was the man wearing, you know, the Don't Step On Me T shirt with his large automatic <laughs> rifle? You know. But <laughs> <Well>, we, <laughs> we have
1: those. We have those based on
2: that the that news. Was
0: basically, that was basically John Malkovich. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he did the right thing. And there in was, fact, there, and there was a, a lack of like,
2: automatic weapons, really. Th-
0: yes. The, oh, I, yeah. I was mostly surprised this that took John place in America, had a shotgun and not. Yeah. 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 Like th- that dude absolutely has it had a stockpile that he bought in 2008 in the basement of his part of his house. Well, I guess it weren't BD Wong's house, but he could still go next door. They were neighbors. Hey, door, he had a neighbor. stockpile of guns that he bought in 2008 because he was sure that the liberals were going to come for his guns. Like, I am sorry, that is 100% John Malkovich. That is what, not John Malkovich personally, but that character, that <laughs> is what was happening in his mind. <clears throat> he probably also has gold somewhere buried in his backyard. Those are just the facts.
1: Well, and it, it, as we've seen the hordes take to the streets here in the United States, it made the, you know, at least the people in Bird Box have the excuse for why they demand that people go outside. Excuse me, and look at the creatures because they've been like bewitched by their like evil demonic power. The people who are protesting saying coronavirus isn't real or not a problem and yelling at nurses in the street, they're, as far as we know, not possessed by any demons. They are just of their own logic deciding that this is the right thing to do. So, really, I, much more sympathetic toward the people who were trying to get other people to join the suicide cult in Bird Box than I am the current protesters who allegedly have the wherewithal to not be doing that
2: see the british version of that is just some dudes some bathing in a park and then a police van turning up going go home please two meters
1: apart
2: (laughs) two two meters apart two (laughs) meters apart
0: have much more civil have much more civil protests than we have i think that's just like like the, the least aggressive protest we've ever had was the time that we threw all the tea into a harbor (laughs) yeah, <laughs> that was it. That I was, mean, you that was that. the last Bridges time America protested in a in a benign way it was when we were like, we're going to commit a large act of destruction. <laughs>
2: benign. Well, you say that, but I mean, anything that you do to a tea is deeply offensive. British <laughs> <Trump>. <laughs> he <laughs> exactly. had it right. He really we had met it you right.
0: on your terms for the last yeah. time. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, you, you hit us where it really hurts. <laughs> I mean we we had genocided a lot of people for that tea you know <laughs> and then you just threw it back in our faces so ungrateful oh what God. i want to
1: know it like do we like what is the statistic for like do we know su- societal statistics for like percentage of population of vi- as visually impaired cuz like this is essentially the weeding out of people who are who who are not visually impaired in in that would be in favor of 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 folks who were so, like, how many? What is our sort of baseline survivor pool looking at for bird box?
2: Um, in the see. UK, uh-huh. in the yeah. UK, it's about two million people are registered with partial or or partial sight or blindness, okay. um, and that's out of a population of about sixty odd million. Um, so you know, I think two million is pretty good. A, a lot of them are old um <laughs> of survivors um i'm not sure i mean i should imagine the percentage prevalence is pretty similar in the states google that um, yeah i'm googling it right now uh three
0: about 3.4 millions so about three percent 40 and older are legally blind um or visually impaired um
1: I'm seeing approximately, approximately 12,
0: million, 12 million, million,
1: yeah, yeah, for yeah have, so vision, have, have vision impairments, including, including one million who are blind. So that's, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, it's it, in the way that there's a zombie apocalypse where the, the 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 violence just doesn't stop and the zombie hordes keep amassing. Basically, if the world is pared down to the visually to to the utterly, let's say, totally blind, there are still more than enough people to rebuild yeah. a society just then it becomes like isn't it like that um Jason Momoa show on Apple TV isn't like everyone blind in that show that's the whole conceit um don't get me yes (laughs) so yeah basically that's the sequel probably as problematic to Bird Box is the Jason Momoa show
2: sure yeah (laughs) I mean from my understanding in the book at the end of the book the sighted people blind themselves oh Oh, because
0: well, that's, that's a dark turn. <laughs> I mean, okay. Like, I mean, in the sense of, like, it's a dark turn to then be, like, well, now the solution is to willingly take on a disability... Because I
1: think like I just I feel like that's a weird like I think mostly I think stabbing the eye, yourself as as, in the
0: eye is what's the dark Yeah, turn as long as it, it wasn't one. like
1: people stabbing themselves in the eye and there was like some procedure that they could do. It's like, oh okay. But if it's just like, all right, it's your turn with the scissors, that's a little like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. no,
0: no, like, no, no, like I think not. the that's a dark turn comes from the idea of like basically someone going full edible with with a with a sharp stick.
2: Yeah, with long, the, the with part.
0: the happens. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, because I can't, I can't imagine that any of the characters in this movie, given or in the book, given that they couldn't figure out how a stick, how to use a stick, a white cane or a stick Quite of any obvious. kind, yeah. I can't imagine they'd find a more f- kind of finessed solution than just gouge them out.
2: But then I think for me, it is a totally logical conclusion yeah. oh, yes. it, if it, you would exactly. like to stay alive and then you have yeah. yeah. the people with all the skills to be like well <laughs> we're fine we read and have you know clothes and food but yeah. you know you, we manage it without the vision um, yeah
1: yeah no it just I, it just yeah. becomes the next it's, phase of it just becomes the next phase of civilization that's all right okay do what yeah, so I just, what
0: I, I mostly just immediately my brain popped to just like oozing eyeballs and i was like i don't i don't like oozing nice. eyeballs
3: no, I mean, no,
0: no one like no. I mean, not that that's a particularly unique to me moment of no one likes a noosing eye, eyeball in general. It's not a pleasant thought. Um, I do want.
2: to- There's also, one like, other kind other of reality additions. check that oh, yeah. to cover. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, so I mean, a we have all the ableism of the entire premise of the film. Yes. Uh, yeah. But we also have the all the ableism of the way that uh, tiny British Tom Hollander and his uh, friends. Yes. <laughs> Uh, as, oh, well, they're the people from the psychiatric facility. Yes. Yeah. You are therefore uh, have poor mental health and are inherently dangerous and demonic. Right, um, yes. yeah. Yes, that was, yes. The criminally insane, which
0: I
1: didn't think was a phrase that got used outside of Batman I know, do, wow, the the phrase criminally insane. It's like, is this a fucking Batman movie from 1994? Thank
0: you. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. might, I was like, oh
1: God, they broke
0: out
2: of Arkham and now they're here. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think the guys from Arkham would be just slightly more competent, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
1: <laughs> Putting the birds in the freezer wasn't exactly like of a, a great move.
2: <laughs> he could have no, he could have dug more insane. You
0: need, you could eat them later. I you know,
2: I mean, I you mean can you... kill a bird of that size you can kill with one hand. Like, why put yeah. them in a freezer?
1: Yeah, no. For somebody who was like pretty malicious at that point, it seemed like a pretty genteel move. Mm. Um. Amanda, did you did you have one other reality index no, point?
0: I was gonna also pivot to the mental health thing because um as soon as it became like, but the real villains here are the mentally are the are the mentally unwell. Are the real yeah. people the real villains here are the ones who apparently like the large masses of people who haven't been taking their medications or been treated or dealt with in any way that they're just like these roving bands of people. And it's like, well, I mean, like yes, there are people who haven't sought treatment or who for whom treatment hasn't worked or any number of other things but like really we're just going going full bore into like roving bands of evangelically insane humans
2: yeah the criminally insane yeah, yeah. so um, it is like, i mean what would i be because like maybe i'm the issue like i'm blind also has anxiety so am i I, like the ultimate villain like maybe that's the film (laughs) we need to see where it's like the nice you know the the warrior blind people versus (laughs) like not very mentally well blind people who are like we are the forces of darkness Um, and you know that that would be a great film surely. (laughs) (laughs) so does
0: does this bring us to then what are we at what to say say about like I actually wanted to touch on the whole suicide thing Um, just to be like, as someone who, since I was 17 has been in, in uh, like on Medicaid, like my parents would not be thrilled. I'm mentioning this on, on the internet, but I've been, you know, um, on medication and I had suicidal ideation from the age of about 14 on, um, and like pretty severe clinical depression that if I'm not medicated is, leaves me non-functional. Right. And Um, to watch this movie with the idea that, like, well, the normal people commit suicide now. And the irony is the uh, mentally unwell people, the chemically imbalanced people, they're the ones who don't want to kill themselves, but they want everyone else to experience the joy of killing themselves. Right. Was a real weird pivot for me uh, from that standpoint, because I was like, well, I mean, like, there were aspects of it that It actually, I mean, I guess this does pivot a little bit to what is this really about. There are aspects of it, of the monsters, that felt to me very one-to-one of what suicidal ideation is. Sure, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Where it comes out of nowhere, you're not really sure what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, We should probably put a content warning at the front of this episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like this probably needs a content warning. But yeah, it comes out of nowhere, you're not really sure what's happening, and a lot of the time you're hearing, not like voices in the sense of like, I'm hearing voices, but there's a voice inside your head that's almost like the survival instinct voice. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I once described it, like I was trying to explain it to my boyfriend, I was trying to tell him, like, I was, once I was hiking somewhere, and I was like maybe a quarter mile from my car, and I was, I didn't have any water with me, and there was this little stream right there, and the water was so cold and so clear. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there, and I was just hanging out by the stream. And the, brain, the voice inside my head was like, oh my God, drink the water, drink the water, drink the water. And I was like, mm-hmm. quarter mile down the road is water that won't give me a waterborne illness. Yeah, giardia. Yeah, like I won't get giardia if I walk a quarter mile down the road, I'll be fine. But there was the survival instinct, like animal part of my brain that was like, this is the water you need to drink, you need to drink the water. And I've described, and I feel like very similarly, that's what suicidal ideation feels like to me. And so um, where it's like, there's a voice inside your head saying these things. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a crazy voice. It's really your rational brain, it feels like.
1: Yeah. And
0: And it's very it's this
1: is a very common this is a very common inner monologue that many people have. It is in no way crazy. It is it is in no way strange. It is just something that as a Yeah, at a mass level is not something we have allowed ourselves to develop a common language and vernacular around, so it feels very otherizing to, like, talk about, but this is not an otherized experience. This is very normal among... No, this is not uncommon, but the idea... So Mm. when, you know, Sandra Bullock is walking through the
0: woods and she's hearing these voices of her loved ones telling her to take off the mask, telling her to, Mm. to just look at the thing, I was like, wow, that actually, in its own way, is a very one-to-one comparison to the feeling of suicidal ideation um and that being said what i was was going to say fucked up about this movie is that the whole thing is this like well but it's the the great irony the great the great the great tragedy in this situation isn't that like people are killing themselves the great tragedy is it's happening to the normal ones and so that that aspect to me in terms of the ableism is it's like well the true monsters here aren't the monsters. The true monsters are the, are the people who, you know, aren't going to kill themselves because they have mental illness. And so that
2: to me, like, just to speak from an ableism standpoint, um, I, I was more, I think, you know, I, I very much, you know, I've been part of my own mental health journey and yeah. you know, it is where it feels like your mind is telling you that it is the most logical conclusion. mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. yeah. And the, the, the decision that you want to take or that you're about to take is mm-hmm. the, the best possible choice for you and everyone around you. Right, um, right. And that it mm-hmm. is a pure impulse of, well, this is absolutely what I have to do. Mm-hmm, and it's yeah. very difficult to explain to people because they think it's some great dramatic moment. But right. for me, it, it, in like the depths of you know, a lot of depression and anxiety when I was finishing my PhD and I had some very difficult times. But for me, the moment of most clarity was when I decided I wanted to kill myself. Sure, sure. The rest of my brain was like soup the rest of the time. But then when that like moment hit, Mm -hmm. it was like, there is the clarity of, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm going to go to the local train station right now. You know, that is absolutely what I'm going to do. And I think, you know, that is a conversation that we don't have enough in our culture about, the fact that a lot of people experience these thoughts mm-hmm. and a lot of people experience these thoughts because they don't have the right support before they get to those thoughts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it is really frustrating and quite damaging and dangerous for mental ill health to continually to be treated as taboo and to be a stigma mm-hmm. and to be presented as inherently M- uh, malevolent or evil or unkind, um, mm-hmm. and that is exactly the barrier of the ableism that stops people being able to talk about it mm-hmm. and stop them seeking the appropriate support that they need. And yes, this is a mostly light hearted podcast about disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, That's the point to that I always for make every day. The the point I always make about ableism, as with a lot of prejudice in our society, is that it is fed to you in so many insipid ways. And actually, there is a reason around Halloween that teenagers scream at me. And that's because there are so many scary blind people in horror films. And it absolutely... Yeah, no, there are. There really are. And every Halloween, when I'm walking around the streets... and normally, I have to say, the kids are all right. They're a lot better than the adults that will walk straight into me. Kids tend to be a lot more polite, a lot more understanding. Oh, Every that. Halloween, they'll scream at me. They'll say, oh, my God, blind people are so scary. And it's because they've spent the last month watching loads of horror films with scary blind people in. Right, 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 yeah. And, you know, it is good that on this medium, where we can have a good laugh about, <clears throat> you know, seeing eye birds, you know, that we also <laughs> can stay. <see laughs> totally. You know, this is part of, we need to tackle some of this because this could have been a really good film that really interrogated some of these issues. Well, and in the way that, like, we talked about it into the Grizzly Maze,
1: too. If you're going to have Piper Perabo's character be unable to speak, cast an actor who is unable to speak. If you're going to have a movie that is going to revolve around not seeing, cast actors because they need work as well and so have such limited options now we've just kicked open a very easy door to like oh my gosh this is a place where we can finally we can finally incorporate actors that we normally don't give the time of day and to just sort of walk over an opportunity like that is like shit, guys, like, it was right there. It was looking at you right in the goddamn face. This was your shot, and you didn't do it. Because, like like you're talking about, like, the ableist perspective in that moment when you're thinking of casting, it's not even, even going to enter the conversation, honestly. It's not even going to enter the conversation.
2: And it is my understanding that, Rick, the only talking blind person is not a visually impaired actor. Well, there you go. <laughs> and just the angelic presentation of these... Yeah passive blind people right right just the final cherry on the ableist cake of this Mm. you know shittiness really right yeah no
1: that's that's a very good point the idea that the the folks most actually equipped to deal with this new world are presented even in their even in the moment at which they arrive in the film as passive as passive people like yeah. why why did those people decide to go hole up in the forest and not do anything else about this why did these people decide instead of like to rebuild to society to fully remove themselves from it that yeah no that's a great point that's messed up it is messed up <laughs> I think we got Amanda I got booted off Skype I think someone tried to access my Microsoft account um that shit <laughs>
0: I am so oh. sorry, guys. Someone tried no, to no, get okay.
1: access uh, to my account, so that's fun. Amy has gone to retrieve another beer. It's totally cool. Okay, great. There. Well,
0: good. As long as there's more beer.
1: That is an important
2: piece <laughs> of Okay. Okay. Yeah, this got my 10 to 6. 9. I'm not yeah, you can,
1: bet, you can bet the people in that shelter were definitely distilling something, because people will find a way to booze no matter what the fuck is happening in this world. Oh, yeah. My it's people. The, probably the safe way to
0: make sure that you're getting a liquid. Honestly, that's how. That's why, like in the UK, it's such a big thing. In Europe, they mostly distilled alcohol to make safe drinking. Like is my understanding at, yeah. in like the Middle Ages, and yeah. then in like East, my like I read this once, and then in East Asia, my teetotaling would not have been tea. an option. Yeah, yeah. No, you just you either boil your water or you throw yeast in it and you make it delicious.
2: I mean the thing about Europe there especially northern Europe is it's very dark a lot of the time right. so I mean you need something to cope with that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes into- and also coping it's yeah. hey it's it's it's
1: not a drinking problem if it's nationally mandated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right i think i think that i think our very thoughtful discussion leads us very uh very easily into the what was this movie about because I don't know. Did for all the things this movie did wrong, did it ask backwards its way into like a somewhat effective presentation of sort of like that all in the way that the Babadook is this, you know, horror movie that stands out sort of ushering in this renaissance of, you know, the the rise of high, high art horror and a sort of renaissance of the genre um, that we're sort of in the middle of right now did this movie kind of take that Babadook quality and turn sort of like the monster in the closet the way that movie did, the monster in the woods, into this very effective presentation of sort of like the all-consuming feeling of like a depressive episode? Did it manage to do that? Or is it a wash? Like, what what's really going on here?
0: Uh, I would say not, only because okay. Um, okay. after five years, one would hope that one would figure out better coping mechanisms
3: really. to deal
0: with like, if you've been living in that state for five years, one would hope you'd find like maybe a white cane at some point. <laughs> um, and respect and, to Sandra
1: for coping via Travante Roads.
0: Uh, I do want to say, like in the audio description, the one time that they bother to give any description of anyone physically was when <laughs> they're kissing, and she's like, he runs, she runs her ar- hands up his muscular arms, and I was like, good first, <laughs> good first yeah. audio description. Damn right. But you're right. They are muscular arms.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: Like,
2: Amy, what do you think, Amy? I don't know. I just think that, like I said at the beginning, I wanted it to be a different film. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think it's not a great critique. I know I'm not a film critic and that's (laughs) usually rubbish. uh, They always say that's the rubbish critique, you know, saying this is the film I wanted it to be. Yeah. I think, the things it did successfully, is, I thought that um, it was suspenseful. Um, it was gripping. I think the two-time period focus worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't actually think that... It, it, I think its goal probably was trying to um, shine a light on what it is like to live with existential dread. Sure, sure. Uh, But I don't think it achieved that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's trying to make artsy points about feelings and dealing with your feelings, and is yeah. the monster really Sandra Bullock's inability to deal with her own emotions and yeah. her capacity to love? But I don't think it. I don't think it worked, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally fair.
1: No, I, I, you know, having unpacked this with you guys, I feel like this. What this movie is about is a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like I, I this. Um, it's obviously an adaptation of source material, but like, listen, if you wanted to make this kind of movie and there's another movie on Netflix, similar, like kind of similar in energy to it called, I think it's called silence and it starts, um, if you're going to Hollywood takes so few, you know, I guess what it would call chances, um, putting people Front and center on screen, who they consider niche, who can they consider their lives to be like a special interest instead of a mainstream interest, and therefore it would only have niche appeal and and not be profitable enough to greenlight. When you have something that is just a gift handed to you to to check off boxes, like consider it from the most cynical perspective possible of being like, well, if we do this, that'll look good for a a PR standpoint and one of the great benefits of suspense films, like, yes, they, they, they went big on this with like, Oh, we have John Malkovich. We have Sandra Bullock, like Sarah Paulson, a bit of a get uh, at this point as well. But the great thing about suspense movies is that they can be successful when they're really fucking cheap and there are people in them you don't recognize because fear is fear. And it doesn't matter if somebody has won an Oscar, you are still afraid of them. Like that's why, You know, the whole studio Blumhouse specializes in genre films because you can, for a very low amount of risk, wager for either a high reward or a minimal loss that you can move past quickly and then just on to making the next thing. Why not make this and take more chances and have a cast that actually would be a more compelling story in and of itself and make a suspense film that could still draw a lot of eyeballs? No, people weren't tuning into this because they fucking love Sandra Bullock. They were tuning into it because it's a suspense thing. It's like, I'm pretty sure people weren't tuning into The Witcher Making it in like two weeks time One of the most watched things on Netflix In all of last year Because Henry Cavill is just a huge international star It was just really fucking entertaining fantasy So I'm, I'm calling this a story of missed opportunities um, Knowing that movies like this Don't have to be hollow entertainment That they can have so much meaning baked into them And you can excavate deep, dark assets, aspects Of the human soul on a budget you could have done that, and they didn't. And for the amount of, like, money fire extinguisher that Netflix blows at things, like, why not just make something better? Mm-hmm. You have the resources. Why not just make something better?
2: If we could, Bird Box, a real blind
1: spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we could. If we you allow.
0: Know,
1: we, wow. we can. So, <laughs> what I want to know, then, for Dreamcasting is, Amy, in the movie that you wish this would have been, <laughs> This, like, what is? I feel like for Dreamcasting, I want the focus to be on what is Amy's version of this movie? I think you've already touched on it, but what would it be to actually be its best?
2: I mean, I would love She's to spend it. many hours feeling those muscly arms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, recast yourself. It's I'm not going to cast myself. Um, my ego is large, but not that big. <laughs> um, but we have a really great um, actor here in the UK called Ellie Warwalk, and mm-hmm. she is a visually impaired actor. Okay. And she has been in Doctor Who, so people might remind remember know her as the blind character from Doctor Who. Okay. Um, and also, uh, she was in a show that I know does come to the states eventually called Call the Midwife. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she plays a blind, uh, pregnant lady in that. Oh, yes, yes. She She's great. She's a fantastic actress. And I would love to see Ellie leading a band of, like, visually impaired ninjas rescuing Amazing. all the sighted people. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we can we can keep Tiny Tom Hollander because he's cute. And we can just wipe <laughs> like, him out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's really what I wanted to see. And like I said before, like, blindness is such a theme in so many of these classic kind of horror films yeah. that it would be nice to to explore the stories that are there about something more yeah. interesting and mm-hmm. also just presenting blind people as, like, sexy, fun, cool guys and not yeah. either terrifying monsters or passive tragic figures. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and actually, I think the real opportunity, and if I was a Hollywood director and I had a large budget, um, I would want to remake a modern version of Day of the Triffids. Mm, okay. In, in Day of the Triffids, the blind people have their, have their time. You know? <laughs> in Day of the Triffids, there's the combination of the evil plants rise, mm-hmm, um, sure. solar flare, which blinds a lot of people, mm-hmm. and Um, there are blind characters in the book that kind of become slightly megalomaniac and take over. And it would just, I just want to see a film which flips disability to being powerful, right? Mm Yeah. And hopefully, what I'm hoping is maybe next, and I think we should invite someone who would be able to give good perspective on this, you know, because this is very much a blind people film. But the other film I would love to explore with you that I think does manage this is A Quiet Place. Fascinating. Okay. Okay. Because a quiet place, the disabled person is the hero. And the disabled yeah. person is the reason they survive. Yeah. And yeah. you think about how that is a great film, in my opinion. Oh yeah, it's so well done. And and that's what I wanted Bird Box to be. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, see,
1: sure. that's the thing. Like there are there are there are even there are big shiny studios example studio example. There's a big shiny studio example of, of this execution happening well. Like mm-hmm there we can do this now (laughs) like we and and the idea too it's not it's not unconventional to cast a visually impaired person in a movie that revolves around people having to be visually impaired like that's not that's not revolutionary it's 2020 so i i personally am foregoing any of my dream casting because i just want to think like i'm just deferring to amy's version of this movie and her expert opinion on how we could improve upon it thank you yeah yeah, I know.
0: I, like <laughs> I like the the not just fantasy casting, but the fact that there's a a kind of script revision happening there in terms of taking the original material and uh, making it actually work.
1: Well, and people yeah. fighting shit is cool. Seeing a bunch of blind ninja would be so rad. Like, yeah. tell me that's not just a more fun movie to watch. <laughs>
2: Well, this I, is my point. I, this is what I always say about disability in film. Like, if you actually and disability in life, if you right. actually involve disabled people, yeah. our lives are so much more rich and interesting than you ever imagined. Right. You know. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, and I just I, I think like the idea it's a you know I feel like it, it, remakes and, and reimaginings don't really bother me. I'm I'm pretty welcoming of that kind of stuff, but. It's funny to see, it's funny to know that things get remade and and reimagined so often when it's kind of, it seems like we're basing, it seems like it's sort of based on this Hollywood logic that like, oh, well, we've already told all the stories, so we have to start retelling the old stories. And when it's like, no, there are so many stories we haven't told yet because the gatekeepers haven't allowed them to be told. We're not done. We're not out of stories. You guys are just only looking at the smallest possible pool that reflects your probably cishet able, able-bodied experience. Um, and yeah, so we've told a lot of those, but there are so many yet we've not even allowed to be touched upon from like an institutional perspective. You know, a, a, an independent cinema level, I think, different story a little bit, but from an institutional level. Yeah. Where we have from like a Netflix money level. Yeah. From a Warner Brothers distribution engine level. So, yeah. like, why not be more interesting? People yeah. will talk about you. Just be more interesting. Yeah. How many then how many towering infernos do we give birdbox?
2: I'm going to go with 2 cuz it looked nice. Can I give it one like slightly sizzling shed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can give it you can give it like half an inferno. It can be like a gr- a grease fire. Yeah. yeah. if you want. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to we can work in halves. We even sometimes do quarters. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna give it like um, an unattended joystick by a sorority girl. Can I give it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It is the burning remains of one towering inferno. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Crumbling slightly, like a little hiss in the rain. Yeah, the smoldering remains.
0: How about you, Amanda? You know, so I will be giving it a little bit only because, as I was watching, so the stuff set in the flashbacks worked for me a lot of the time only because there were so many moments i was like wow this really is a one-to-one to what is happening currently right um, right.
1: suddenly one it's criticism,
0: time yeah like one criticism i would maybe give it is that the grocery store was way more well stocked than uh it would have been <laughs> yeah because like it was a fairly they don't really go into it in the audio description um but
1: i feel like they should have been like the, the grocery store shelves are surprisingly well stocked with yeah water. the uh- Literally unlooted grocery store.
0: Like, not even looting. The fact that, like, prior to Sarah Paulson's character shows up and she's like, everyone is buying groceries. Why don't you have groceries? And I was like, I remember that. I remember that Tuesday when they canceled NBA basketball and I went to Ralphs. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody was in the Ralphs. That is
1: extremely right. Obscene
0: quantities of food and inexplicably water. And I was like, why are you... While doing this i just want a box of pasta and there was yeah, yeah. no pasta at no, all yeah no. so that aspect of it i was like mm. but at first like the uncertainty and the chaos um did feel very real to me but yeah i'm gonna give this one like one and a half
2: all right dessert. What, what, what was the uh, was water the american hoarding thing of choice at the very, no, very start paper. at the very yeah, we start have the, people we were have the going
1: mysteriously crazy with water For no, absolutely no uh, justifiable reason. It was just like, Um, oh.
0: I had a coworker who was like, if everyone gets sick, who do you think is going to put water into our houses? And I was like, the water plants? Like, I don't like like, this. Do you think a a water fairy
1: comes with buckets every night and refills your tanks? Like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. There there was also a run on bananas, which I thought was so, like, I don't eat them, so I don't eat them. But I wow. the first thing that I noticed I was gone it. in every grocery store. I was like, I would walk into the grocery store and they were just like the banana display, which is very front and center, which <laughs> bare. And then there'd wow. be like all the citrus and stuff. But bananas which last a day and a half,
1: yeah. I'm like, funny. Yeah, you 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 hold your breath too long and the fucking banana turns to unusable.
0: But that's yeah. what everyone was like, we mm. need to buy all the bananas right this second. So yeah. Nothing shelf. <laughs> that was what was gone because people were real freaked out about their smoothies here in LA. Yeah.
2: My mum made me laugh quite a lot. So my mum, I call her mama cav on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. and mama cav like phoned me up in a rant and she was like, there's nothing left in the shops. And <laughs> I mean, that you can't get pasta and you can't get chopped tomatoes. And it's because people <laughs> can't cook and people can't cook and all they can cook is pasta and tomato sauce and <laughs> they've, they've all bought flour none of them know how to make bread and I was like, <laughs> okay, well, like chill yeah
1: she would be shocked at the fucking twitter verse going nuts on bread making in this past month because I, I sure have been
0: bread. i haven't cooked i i like thinking and there hasn't been a single moment where i've been like i mean maybe it's because i live alone but there hasn't been a single moment where i've been like i could eat an entire loaf of bread myself right no seconds
1: no, no i, need bread I don't need it. in it that's gonna last me two weeks like yeah. i i don't need something that i need to eat in the next 24 hours
0: yeah i mean they've been very pretty to look at but like Make me, make me some cookies. No one's making cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I don't understand. Like in a pandemic, why isn't the first thing you go to just terror, terror baking goods?
1: Well, I, we, we, we will now do our, um, what we're going to cover next podcast. Amy, you do, you can excuse, you can be excused. So you don't have to sit and listen to us. (laughs) Decide what that's going to be. But thank you so much for joining us for this. We really, really appreciate it.
0: So before we let you go, is there anything, like, where can we find you? Is there anything you want to promote? Anything that you want to give a last shout out to?
2: Right, yeah. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. uh, That's where I live. um, At (laughs) Blonde Historian. So at Blonde Historian, that's blonde with an E. Got it. Um, I have also, during the uh, COVID situation, I have opened an online pub for disabled people. Oh, and it is called the staying in
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we have sessions twice a week um we have a quiz a pub quiz which is a oh, very great. traditional british activity mm-hmm. and we do it over zoom um and we have that every saturday and we make it as accessible as possible we have live captions we have british sign language interpretation Wow. Um, We also are running different sessions. So this week we had a British Sign Language class for Deaf Awareness Week. Um, We're gonna have advocacy workshops. We have our Stitch and Bitch Craft Club on Wednesday. (laughs) I Um, love it. So you can find more about that uh, at thestayingin.org.uk. Uh, in with two ends as in a pub in yeah um, you can just subscribe to our newsletter and that's how you get details of the events um you can also find us on at staying in uh, the' staying in on twitter um we are fundraising for that because meeting the access costs is quite expensive and right, um, right. we have a uh, we have a go fund me the staying in fund um so if you have ju- enjoyed and learned about ableism, consider bunging us a few dollars um, because it helps connect people who are very isolated at the moment mm-hmm. because as lockdown eases for many people across the world disabled people will not be able to get out right. because they, they either have um, underlying health conditions or there are physical barriers for someone like me who's visually impaired and cannot mm-hmm. safely social distance Or they live in a country without universal free healthcare. Right. So, you know, some disabled people will still be stuck inside for a while. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep connecting people and stopping them getting lonely. So check it out. Um, We try to mix the hours, but mostly given the time difference, I do things late in the evening in the UK, which means it's kind of mid-morning in America. Right, right mid-afternoon because you know you're a large country with many time zones yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. but where do any of us have to be right now
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is that so you know if you want to watch a bunch of british disabled people get drunk at like eleven thirty in the morning that's not bad
0: programming honestly <laughs> <laughs> i would watch i would watch that reg- like I quite enjoy watching British people get drunk on television. That's one of my main forms of entertainment is, is your sitcoms. So I can't imagine it would be much different than that.
2: And it is super British as well. Cause we do like, um, you know, we get, we get dressed up. We all wore different hats the other week. Um, <laughs> uh, the theme for this Saturday is animal magic. So people are going to be dressing up and doing face paint and wearing animal print and all sorts of different stuff. Oh my gosh, that's delightful. Yeah. And it's, it's for the whole family as well. You know, we, we try and keep it fairly clean. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know Americans, they don't love the swears. In the UK, we love the
1: swears. Right, yeah, yeah or that's right. Yeah. Well, thank you. That is that is such an amazing initiative that you are pulling together. And thank you for being a good human in a time where interconnectedness matters so, so, so very much. And and uh, for, you know, making a stop along your interconnected journey being on DisasterPod. Thank you so much for that, Amy. Oh, I Thank you it. so much
0: for joining us and for listening.
1: Yeah. Keep, yeah, now you, you, yeah you, go, you go have your evening. And we will be posting. This will be next week's pod.
2: Yeah. Amazing. I'm going to go and play some Animal Crossing. I'm going to go enjoy. I'm going to
0: eat <laughs>
2: my, my Oh, and yeah. My, there's a, there's a fancy shop. Yeah, there's a fancy chocolate shop called Hotel Chocolat, very fancy, and um, <laughs> they're having a big online sale because all their shops are closed and the chocolates going off. And for twenty, so about thirty dollars, you can get this massive box of chocolate. So, um, oh. I, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's and so I tweeted about it, and the company now is like tweeting me back, being like, "We love you. Everyone's buying the chocolate." So. <laughs> Then I hope they're
0: sending I you some free-ass chocolate. Free chocolate. Yeah, yeah.
2: lots of people have said like, oh, Amy, you should totally get some free chocolate. And I'm like, yes, uh, yeah. I should. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely should. Make sure they
1: follow through on that. That's corporate accountability. If Le Corse yeah. can give Mindy Kaling an entire set of cookware for free, you can get chocolates. You can get free fancy chocolate. shit about a chip company
0: and they sent me a bunch of chips. Like, <laughs> yeah. you got something nice.
2: About chocolate. yeah, and I'm just you such a nice, bike much- lady on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you look
1: after yourselves. This Thank you. You too. As well. All right. So that brings us to the end of our Bird Box discussion. Amanda, what do we then have in for people next week? Since we've we've been we've been pretty flashy the last yeah. two weeks with a twister and a and, and this is Bird Box. So now, what's coming next? We're going back to our roots um,
0: moving away from the art film of mother from the mega classic twister from yeah. the high budget Netflix film. And uh, we're taking it back to 2002. Oh man. With some, some D list celebrities
1: yes. and the film atomic twister. I mean a hybrid disaster, a disaster to, girl's special. And who doesn't love a
0: film that star char- co-stars Sharon Lawrence and Mark Paul Gossler?
3: I, mm. uh,
1: Oh my god. <laughs> so he that, still I mean, looks so good. He looked so good then. He looks so good in like 1995. Like Mark Paul Gossler is eternal. Yes.
0: He this is before before he really did his his midlife glow up. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I, for one, cannot wait. I definitely remember watching this years and years. I think I'm going to watch it when it was first aired in 2002. Um, oh I can't wait to see that what was, an atomic twister entails.
1: 18 years ago, Amanda.
0: I have been a loyalist for a long time
1: to my Eight, bad disaster movies. 18 years. You, you were 18. We were 18 years younger when this came yeah. out.
0: Yeah. Oh, my no, God. We were, we were young, idealistic, seventeen-year-olds. Oh my God! Um, and I can't wait to watch this. You can find this, guys. This is gonna be this easy. We're also going a little cheaper on this one. Um, yeah. This is free. You can find it on our uh, one of our favorite sub- subscription sites, Tubi. 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 We're still waiting. Tubi. The treasure trove. Still waiting for that for that spawn con, Tubi. <laughs> yeah, Tubi.
3: Tubi, get back at me. Come on. We want to have yeah, a regular segment called Tubi or not Tubi.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, yes. we do. Look at the look what awaits you to be. <laughs> so
0: you can find it on Tubi. You can also find it. Um, I believe Voodoo has it for free. I think it is also on Amazon Prime. But the truth is, just watch it on Tubi. It's watch free. It on two- It's a great service. You'll find yeah. like a million other movies that you go. I don't know that I need to watch this, but I'm going to watch
1: it. Yeah, including horror movies from the the like turn of the millennium. And that's a great, great time that you should be checking
3: out.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's what we'll be watching next week. Um,
1: Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, You can find me, like, pretty goddamn online since I am uh, in the middle of being furloughed. And so I am on Twitter at jorker, J-O-R-C-R-U. And by time... I was going to say. By the time this lands, I will have launched my Patreon. Patreon, Patreon. Patreon. I couldn't... Patreon. Uh, So... That's just like patreon.com slash Cruciola, which is my name and you can find that on the internet. Um, And I'm just going to be writing stuff about fighting movies and horror movies and whatever other kind of things I want uh, because I'm on the hustle and let's just let's just enjoy some some fun genre cinema together. Hell yeah. Sounds
0: good.
3: I can't wait. I mean,
0: I won't be watching the scary ones, but I'll definitely watch some fighting ones with you. Great. i excellent. love
3: fighting movies
1: excellent then you're gonna you are gonna like what i got coming up
3: oh you know right. you know you've got a patron me.
1: thank you sir <laughs>
0: jason thank you um you can find me i'm amanda r tubs it's tubs with
3: two bees. two bees. that can also be a sponsored segment
0: yep 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 and amanda's name is spawn I, my name is my my name is bon If either the website wants to promote wants to sponsor us, or if just Miami Vice wants us to just talk about them for a while, <laughs> that is the inspiration for my username. Um, and I have nothing to promote because uh, I am unemployed and sitting on the couch. Yay. Jason. <laughs> Yay, Jason, how how about you? Where can we find you?
3: Uh, You can find me online at Jason Halftones. I'm doing a little uh, comic on Instagram. I'll be posting pages uh, four at a time on Twitter as well. So probably by next week, there'll be a post for that on Twitter. Um, Yeah, I mean, what was that?
1: Check it
0: out.
3: Oh yeah, check it out.
0: It's really good. It looks so cool.
3: Oh, thank you. It's uh, the only thing that I'm working on that people can actually enjoy right now because the other thing's a freaking pilot (laughs) and I have to, you know, go through appropriate channels for that kind of thing.
1: Appropriate goddamn channels. Screw yeah. the channels. It's, it. We're in a COVID-19 world. That's
3: true. Channels don't exist anymore.
1: Channels don't exist. <laughs> channels are a construct.
0: Channels got COVID,
3: <laughs> and now it's time to move on.
0: <laughs> so for the podcast, you can find us. We're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. We're disastergirls on Letterboxed. Um, And if you haven't already, please take a second to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. The ratings, the reviews do make a big difference. Um, Do it on iTunes, do it on whatever service you particularly like to use. The more places you can rate and review us, of course, the better. Um, And we'll see y'all back next week for uh, Atomic Twister. Let's get in that Atomic Twister together, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Bye.
3: ThatMightBeCool.com You never know.